podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off, I'm your host as usual Guy Drinkle and today we're going to be covering the 3-0 victory over Watford um, so I'll introduce my guests, uh, firstly I've got Mark Roberts joining me again, how you doing Mark? I'm very good Guy, thank you yourself? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. And the uh, Watford fan joining us, you heard him on the preview pod, it's uh, Adam Drury. How are you doing, Adam? Hi, guys. Good, thank you. Good. Um, uh, so, Adam, I'll start with you. Um, yeah. Starting 11s, we tend to start off on this show. I mean, we uh, obviously talked on the preview, which we were both on, um, about you possibly going free in midfield and stuff, but no, uh, Gracia stuck with, stuck with the usual system and stuff like that. Were, were you happy with the starting eleven? Yeah, pretty happy. Obviously, as I mentioned, it was the fact that Etsy Kapu was back from suspension and he was going to come back into the team. And I wondered whether he'd try and find a way of playing all three of him, Decore and Chalabar. Um, but 442 has been his system all season, really. And I think he prefers to use the basis of 442 and then make small tweaks for opposition rather than sort of completely, um, you know, radicalizing everything we're trying to do for one match. Um, so yeah, I was happy. Yeah, I mean, a couple changes in it. I'm not sure who was unavailable and stuff, but you're obviously missing Holobas, who we mentioned in the preview, preview and Mariapa starting at centre-back. Is that just a, in, injuries and suspensions and stuff, or um, have they now taken first-choice positions? Well, Mariapa has been first-choice for a few weeks because Cavaselli got sent off, had a suspension, Mariapa came in and took that spot, so that wasn't too much of a surprise. Holobas, I don't actually know the story, really. I haven't seen much about him, but uh, yeah, I, I did expect him to start a left back, but I think um, Messina is a summer signing who obviously wasn't in the team at the start of the year, but I think looks a good player. So I don't think that was too much of a drop off. In fact, we spoke about um, that potentially being a weak area defensively, and I thought Messina did fine. So mm. yeah, don't don't quite know what the story was, but I don't think that that made that much difference. Yeah, yeah, I think he, I think he did well. Um, to be fair, and Mark, from from our point of view as Liverpool fans, uh, we saw. Gomez, who apparently got injured the day before the game, so we had Lovren coming back in, and we played the four-two-three-one with um, Vinealdum and Henderson. What, what, what was your thoughts on the starting eleven for us? Obviously, happy now that we've won the game, but two, two o'clock Saturday wasn't overjoyed, to, <laughs> as you say, to see to see Gomez missing out, and I would rather Fabinho start than Henderson. I thought he played relatively well since he got into the team, and I thought with. Watford being a big, powerful team, it was a sort of game ideally made for Fabinho. But as you say, the, the disappointment is is soon wavered away when you do manage to get the win. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. And Adam, I'll start with you because I mean, pretty much instantly in the game, I think it was the first two minutes, we we see Watford um, score a goal, which was I think rightfully given offside. But yeah. did did you was that a was that a promising moment for you? Do you think that was possibly? The blueprint into the game, like Dini shrugging off the centre backs and Delafeu getting in behind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was certainly the blueprint. I saw Gracia after the game spoke about the fact that we didn't quite have enough quality on the counter attack in that first half, and that was actually one instance where there was the quality, but he just, I think, uh, did just move offside. Um, but that was certainly have been the plan to obviously Liverpool were going to dominate the ball, but use Dini's physicality. Um, to try and hold the ball up and then get runners beyond them as much as possible. So yeah, that was quite a promising start. And I don't was it Van Dyke who was robbed of possession there? Um, uh, I think Lovren charged out and then Van Dyke was tracking Delafe if right, I remember okay. correctly. Well, yeah, sound like Lovren to charge us. Yeah, I think that was certainly what they would have worked on. Unfortunately, that was pretty much the only time that. Of the two or three opportunities, there was definitely one later in the half where Dini overhit the pass to Delafoe, which was a, a big chance. Um, and that would have been what they worked on, and that quality wasn't quite there, which I think is why we managed to keep Liverpool at bay fairly well for the first hour or so, but didn't have that many chances because I don't think the, the final ball or the way that we can play on the counter attack 
quite went to plan. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mark, from our point of view with that offside goal, I mean, were you possibly thinking Lovren was going to be having one of them days? I know it wasn't just solely his fault, but as you as you jokingly said there, he does love rushing out. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best decision, but would you, were you thinking possibly it would be one of them days? Yeah, again, it's it's the game after the international break, isn't it? When Klopp hasn't had the players there for a bit, we know he doesn't like the first game back after the international break where he's not had long to work with the players and Watford away, it's, it's a tricky game. We obviously had the free all there last year with a few defensive lapses and it, yeah, when that, before you notice the flag's gone up, you think, oh God, is it going to be one of those days again? And 1-0 down, it's a, it's a different game altogether, isn't it, than, than it ended up being. So, relieved, but as you said, it was rightly offside, but it was a let-off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. But, um, Mark, I'll stick with you on this. I mean, I'm putting the general discussion points in the first half for good reason, <laughs> because it was a pretty poor half. But um, I-, I wanted to discuss the midfields, because Mark, especially in Liverpool quarters, is probably the most debated position and debated individual players as well. Um, let's take the red card out of this discussion for Henderson. But... Um, I think him and Ginny, for me personally, were pretty bad throughout. Do you think the criticism for both of them's justified, or would you say one was good, one was bad, etc.? What, what, what did you think of the midfield? Yeah, I, th- I thought they both had a poor game, to be honest, and I think that's a, almost a consistent thing when the two of them start, that they seem to hinder each other, and I think Ginny especially has had better games this year when Henderson's not been there, it, it's harder to say it the other way almost because Ginny's played most of the games we've played, but they seem to get in each other's way and each other's space and almost too similar now with Ginny's evolve, evolution almost in, in to a six now from, from the player that we signed. And it just, it just doesn't seem to work whether they're as a flat two or whether they're two of the three. It seems like it needs to be one or the other at the moment. And from current form, from season's form, you would say Ginny deserves the nod ahead of Henderson. But you're right to say on Saturday they were both poor and no disrespect to, to Watford. But if you were up against a, a better team than them, I think we wouldn't have got away with it, so to speak. I think we were overrunning midfield a bit. And yeah, they, they just don't work as a token for me. I think it, it, for now it needs to be one or the other. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Adam, obviously uh, Mark just mentioned we were slightly overrun in midfield, and you mentioned on the preview that midfield was a position of strength for you. Yeah. Obviously, you were ne- Watford were never going to have more of the possession and stuff like that, but do you think they both did the jobs pretty much perfectly well? Because they, they did stifle Liverpool quite well, I thought. Yeah, I think, well, really, they're, they're both, they, they combine energy and uh, constant running and hustling and harrying with really good tactical discipline and that's probably been instilled by Gracia on the training field as well because he talks about those two being so fundamental all the time uh, Decor and Capu and I thought they yeah they were both really good obviously didn't have much of the ball but to be honest we're not a team that likes to dominate possession mm. against anyone let alone Liverpool so that's not really much of a surprise um, but yeah I think they they almost I know it's a kind of cliche but they almost cover the ground of three players between the two of them because they're so quick and agile I think particularly Capu you saw a few times um, wins possession and then likes to break forward with the ball. He's a very powerful player and also very clever. So I thought he was he was really good. Um, Decore is good, and they're also helped out by the fact that the two wide men either side of them, Pereira and Hughes, don't really play wide. Particularly Hughes likes to come inside and um, get involved in there as well. So yeah, I thought they that was a position of strength, and I thought they probably made uh, Henderson and uh, Wijnaldum look like the weak links. I did I kind of did get the impression that Henderson was a little bit of a weak link that they might have sort of targeted when he was in possession. Um mm. but but I also do believe that there aren't obviously other than the very top teams aren't that many better midfields in, in the league. So I don't think it's a you know an easy task coming up against those teams. Yeah and and Mark w- would you agree that Henderson is a weak link. I don't want to be creating a narrative and stuff, but as we said, the mid for both the midfield was a poor. But do you think the midfield, especially them two playing together, as you mentioned earlier, is the weak link of our team at the minute? And it, it, we really need to see your Fabinho's and your Caters come get ready. Oh well, I think Fabinho's probably more ready, but you get what I'm saying. 
Yeah, it's strange because I remember I think I was on after the first couple of games of the season and the midfield that we started the season with seemed to be playing really well and I think certainly in the West Ham game all three of them it were when it was Milner, Wijnaldum and Cato and even the Palace game we were all sort of man of the match was coming from midfield but after the first couple of games he seems to have been chopping and changing it an awful lot and can't seem to settle on either the make the makeup of the midfield or the formation. It seems to be changing from the four two three one to the four three three and the personnel within it seems to be the most rotated aspect of the team at the moment. So whether that's having an impact on it and an effect on it, I don't know. But when we started the season with a sort of settled three and played the three together for a few games, it was working well and a mixture of form, injuries, wanting to give a club captain game time seems to have disrupted everything. It does seem more like we're sticking to the four two three one now and Shakiri's warranting his place alongside the front three, but it just doesn't seem like he's settled on the two at the moment. And again, I think Nabby's injury hasn't helped. The international break probably disrupted that. I probably thought Milner would have started on the weekend, to be honest, because he hadn't been away with England and had been training. But there's options there. But he just it seems to be a, a case of getting the formula right. And I would personally pick Cater and Fabino, but they haven't played together. There's no evidence that that would work. That's probably just my favouritism, but I certainly wouldn't go with Henderson and Milner or Henderson and Wijnaldum. I just don't think that's, that's working, but it's getting the balance right for keeping the defensive solidity we've had, but then trying to get a bit more going forward, which seems a bit daft. I think they've scored three goals away mm. from home, but we're still not quite clicking as a forward unit as we were. Yeah. So I think it just, he just needs to find the right balance for the right game and it just hasn't found it yet for for, as I say, numerous reasons, injuries, suspensions, international breaks disrupting, and we are playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or, or a variant of that with Champions League, etc. So it's it's trying to manage the squad as well, I guess, as, as the under-pressure boys will say about how many minutes they've played and getting everybody up to the, where they need to be. So it's it's hard, isn't it? And again, you're criticising when we've won 3-0 away from home at a tough away game. But that's what we're aspiring to be, isn't it? We're aspiring to challenge for the league and look for improvements when you're winning is, is the better time to do it than look after a defeat. So I've said midfield is certainly the one that's got the most question marks over at the moment. The front three picked themselves and the defence seems fairly settled. But it's just, if he sticks with a 4-2-3-1, who that two is, is the biggest conundrum we've got at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Adam, coming to you, um, I, I wanted to bring up both goalkeepers, but I'll, I'll start with Ben Foster. Obviously, he kind of had a bit of a mix there. I think in the first half, especially, he was he was like in top form. He was keeping us out quite well. I mean, obviously, he was probably at fault for the first goal because it was straight at him. But how how do you think he did, and how how do you think he's done this season? Because obviously, he's he's gone on to replace Herrelio Gomez, who's a very long-standing figure at Watford. Yeah. He's been, I think he's definitely been a successful signing. Obviously, as I think I mentioned last week, he arrived as a bit of a fan's favourite because he started out um, on loan at Watford from Man United uh, in 2005. So we've always, always kind of been, a, I guess, a place in our heart for him. Um, and so he he already had a high approval rating, but he has been really good. I thought what he did on Saturday well was he came for a lot of crosses and um, got his hand on the ball just in front of attackers. I think there were a few times when Salah Obviously, his movement's so good. He opens up a bit, you know, a bit of space for himself inside the box, but often Foster will come out and take the catch, or there's one where he just tips it over his head. And I think that was really important because, um, as I say, Salah's so good at, I guess, at getting into those positions. Um, the first goal, I think I agree. It, it sort of looked like it was straight at him and went underneath him. I think it took a bit of a deflection off Cathcart as well, which perhaps threw him off a bit. Um, so I don't know how much you can blame him for that. Also, I guess if you look at the free kick and the fact he's just sort of washed mm. it in rather than tried to save it, which I don't know, I always find slightly frustrating. But um, I think it's fair to say that without his interventions in the first half, Liverpool might have might have had the lead um, before then. And he's yeah, he's certainly doing a really good job taking over from Gomez, which 
wasn't an easy task because Gomez is a much loved figure as well, but I think probably was time to replace him and um yeah, he's generally doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Mark, uh, we've probably well, on first off, we've probably mentioned him less and less as the season's gone on after the uh, new shiny toy uh, feeling wore off him. But I mean, <laughs> is is Allison? I, I don't think it was like a. It's not a. It's not a sixty million pound save, but there's a certain level of confidence we get. You get from Allison. I know he had a bit of a shocker when he tried to pass to Firmino, but um, that big save from Pereira, I believe it was. It, yeah. I'd, I'd expect I'd expect Jacarius is to save that, but I mean, there's, there's a certain level of expectation with Allison in goal now, isn't there? Yeah, it's, when we were on face off last week with Jay and Tom, it sort of echoes what we were saying on there, doesn't it? That it's not a world class save; it's a save you'd expect him to make, but it's still a save that he's made and he handled it well. He pushed it out for a corner, so there was no. Danger it bouncing back into the box for Dini or Delafeo or somebody to get on the end of and put it away. He did what was asked of him. There wasn't an awful lot asked of him, but I suppose that's the signs of, of a good keeper when you're called upon to just to just do what you're asked of. And if he does that all season, we won't have any complaints. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Adam, on that on that Pereira chance, obviously he's been probably one of your most informed players. I think you mentioned Kapu as well with him, but um, yeah. would you expect him to do better in that situation? Because it was a well-worked move. Yeah, it was a well-worked move. I wouldn't necessarily expect him to do better. I thought it was a, say, a decent save. Um, and the way he the way he takes that effort with the outside of his left foot is a technique he quite likes, and he scored a goal like that um, at Wolves a few weeks ago with the sort of opening up his body the wrong way, you know what I mean, flicking it with the outside of his mm. left foot. Um, perhaps you could say, you know, if he'd taken it more conventionally, he might have been able to get a better shot off. But actually, he didn't have that much time inside the box. And I think that, yeah, it wasn't a bad effort. But that was probably the the closest we came to scoring other than the offside goal. Um, so it would have been a big, big moment to take the lead. I think the way we played sort of relied on taking the lead from 1-0 down. It was, it was difficult. So we had to really take one of those few chances we had. Um, but no, I wouldn't wouldn't put too much blame on him for that one. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And uh, Mark, we're coming towards the end of the half now, and we kind of finish on what I'd consider a high. I mean, Mane has a chance, and Salah has a, ch- uh, a header off uh, one of the corners, which seemed to be a well-worked move. I mean, were you thinking that that it was a good sign of improvement in the half? Because I mean, it was a pretty poor half of football till like the last. 10-15 minutes. Do you think it was a good sign of improvement? Yeah, the Marnie one especially, he sort of created that from, from very little really, That that's the Marnie. We want to see more of that he didn't really have a right to get a shot off there. Again, it was a, a comfortable enough save for Foster one you would expect a top half Premier League goalkeeper to be making, but again, he still saved it well. I mean, the Salah save impressed me a bit more. It's always difficult from a corner boxes crowded he probably saw it late probably wasn't quite as much pace on it as Mo would have wanted but it was still down near the bottom corner and he did well to get down and, and make the save but no it was good to sort of see some good chances coming towards the end of the half and didn't really want the half time whistle to come down I think another five or so minutes and we possibly could have got a goal before half time we were starting to build a bit of momentum which was good mm. to see yeah, and and Adam, from your point of view, were you kind of thinking the tide was turning a bit? I mean, we cut, we started to cut Watford open a bit. Do you think it, you Watford were looking forward to half time? Yeah, I think I think you're definitely right. It just towards the end of the half felt like the screw was being turned a little bit. Um, I thought that save that you mentioned from Foster from Salah's header was really good because well, I sit behind the goal um, up near the top, so I'm mm. sort of down, but you could sort of tell from that angle that actually could hardly see Salah. There were so many bodies in the way. So I think he must have seen that very late and got across. Um, but yeah, it did feel like there were a few moments. That Mane effort was a was a very good effort as well. Sort of managed to get a shot off from nowhere. And yeah, I think I remember yeah looking up and it was 35, 40 minutes. I was thinking, let's just get to half time now. Because I think Liverpool did, after a pretty slow start, did um, up it in that last 15 minutes. So yeah, nice to get to half time, nil nil. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll go on to the second half there, unless anyone wants to bring anything up from the first half that I've missed. Don't can't think so. Can't think of anything nope. myself. But uh, Mark, coming to you then, start of the first half, uh, we kind of see Liverpool continue 
in in their improved performance, and we see uh, Firmino have an opportunity, but instead he, he he tends to pass he passed to Mane, who was pretty clearly offside. Do you think it was just again we just came off half time, and obviously Bobby and Mane aren't really in the best form. Do you think it was just kind of a continuation of that poor form, a bit of deci- in indecision? Yeah, I think you've summed it up well there, guys. To be honest, it's it's those little things that just haven't quite been going for us all season, really. That where last year, I suppose that's the difference why we haven't scored as many as we did last year. It's the little decisions like that, the final ball, the final touch, shooting when there's a pass on or, or passing when there's a shot on. The chemistry, if you like, just isn't quite mm. there between the three of them at the moment. But again, they're all, or Marnie's not, but they're all in different roles at the moment. And Bobby's playing a bit deeper and Mo's gone up top to accommodate Chikiri. So again, I think they're, they're almost fine in their feet again with this new formation and yeah it was a bad decision wasn't it it shouldn't have been a pass that he made but thankfully it didn't cost us and again I thought that was more of the Bobby we know last year coming back he thought he played a lot better than he has been previously had a hand in in the goals and got on the score sheet himself towards the end but yeah that was a poor decision yeah. What what did you make of Bobby overall then? Because obviously he was, he I don't, I don't even think he was playing like a number ten. Like he was taking the ball off the centre backs at times. What did you what did you make of that? He was he was dropping very deep, wasn't it? Again, as we said on on the pod last week with Tom and Jay, I think because of the season he had last season, expectation is higher of him than it would have been previously. But because of that season, it did happen. It's we do expect and hope and want more of Bobby so he's still not where he was last year but I think he is finding his feet more in this number 10 role okay we said on the pod last week a number of times some of these things that happen that we question you, Klopp doesn't seem as bothered by them as us so you think it must be a tactical thing and whether mm. as you said before the, the, the two Watford wide men if you like aren't really wide he just wanted that extra he could see that midfield was being overrun and I think to keep Shakiri wide to target them in their left-back area, which was perceived as a perhaps a weakness, that was more, what he more saw to, to get the numbers back would be to drop Bobby back rather than to drop Shaq back and to keep Shaq up and him and Mane wide and to keep the width and to keep their full-backs pressed back. But to get that extra help and support, he thought Bobby would be the best man to do it. That, that's all I can Sort of put it down to, but it was affecting him because he wasn't forward when we needed him forward, if you like. But it's that's all I can put down to. There. It was a tactical decision to try and even things up in midfield and stop us getting overrun there. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. I think he actually played, he got better and he, he got a lot better in the second half. I think that's fair to say. Um, Definitely, and hopefully the goal has helped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw him do that weird celebration, which was apparently a spiritual cleansing celebration or something that's been deciphered on Twitter, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> but, um, Adam, um, Delafeu got subbed off for Isaac's success quite early on in the, fir- in the second half. That, that seemed quite an odd decision to me because obviously we mentioned, obviously he scored the offside goal. He seemed to trouble Robertson a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, do you think it was an odd decision, especially bringing on Isaac's success, who's obviously kind of got similar characteristics, but he's not he's not the same as Delafay. I'm sure you I'm sure you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought um, it, it's a substitute I would have expected to happen. I thought it happened quite early. I think when you sort of when you take someone off, I think it was before 55 minutes between 50 and 55, um, you're sort of almost sending the message out that you, you know you're not happy with that that performance. And I thought. It, I don't know if that was the case, but I thought Delafoe did well and probably each of those small few moments in the first half that we talked about, he was involved in. Um, but, but I guess what it shows is that I think success was perhaps unfortunate not to start. He's been playing well having mm. started the last few games. And if we've got players on the bench who um, are sort of, of of the ability to play in the first eleven, if you know what I mean, then we may as well use them and get as much out of them as possible. But yeah, I agree. I thought it came quite early and I thought Delafoe was the one who looked like he might unlock the door. I think Gracia had spoke about in the second half wanting to play a, a bit more on the front foot and try and, you know, create more chances. And I wonder if maybe he wanted success to, you know, make better runs in behind. He's much more physical and quicker than, 
telephone and in terms of you know size and so maybe he wanted to you know put more pressure on the on the center halves and running behind a little bit more rather than come short for the ball but um yeah i was sort of surprised how early that sub was made yeah and obviously his substitution you've kind of got to naturally link it to Deeney. um we spoke we obviously spoke on the preview <laughs> keep going back to that podcast but um, I spoke about previous years, I mean, especially a couple of years ago, in that uh, nightmarish game, <laughs> uh, yeah. where Deeney uh, pretty much just ter- terrified our defence. But but in this game, I mean, apart from the, the offside goal at the start, I think he won, like, one, I think it was one aerial duel he won. I'm not sure how many, how many it was out of, but he really seemed to struggle. Do you think that was down to... Our defence, or do you think it was him just coming back from uh, injury? Was he was he just back from injury, or was it uh, uh, suspension? This was his first start back from injury. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think he um, was just unfit, or what? I, to be honest, I would say that the key difference between this Liverpool team and the one that we battered, you know, that game you talk about, mm. is uh, Virgil Van Dijk. I think he's just mm-hmm. absolutely impenetrable defender. Wins every single header comes away with the ball. I think we spoke last week about how Dini had said that he's the one centre-half that it's, he hates facing. It's the worst to face in the league. And I think uh, we pretty much saw why. Because I thought he I, I gave absolutely nothing away. He organises. Um, as I say, he does He does every single facet of the game. He can bring the ball out, but also so physical, wins every header, wins every tackle. And I think there are lots of strikers who won't get much out of him. Um, and I think that's, that's really why Dini struggled, because uh, there was basically just nothing to go on, and I think that's that seems to be the difference between Liverpool now and even in that three-all draw last season. I think it was Lovren and uh, Matip that played centre about that day, mm-hmm. and you always feel like there's a chance, there's a mistake, or you might win, uh, you know, win a physical battle or whatever. And yesterday there was just, you know, virtually nothing to go on. Yeah, and um, do do you think? You could have possibly used success to replace Deeney instead, or do you think it was Deeney's your top pivot point and you wanted to give a different person running off? Or, or what, what do you think? Yeah, you think Deeney's just captain fantastic times? I think it's pretty much that, that it, it, it takes a lot. It would take a lot for him to be taken off that early. He's obviously the talisman. He gets the crowd going. He's the captain. Um, so all, all, you know, all of the several different managers we've had at Watford over the last few years have, only ever seemed to sort of reluctantly sub him off or late in games to waste a bit of time or whatever. But no, I don't know he was ever going to come off come off that early. Just to jump in on, on something you said there about about the, the Van Dyke effect, if yeah. you like. I think, I can't remember who it was. A few years ago now, I'd heard somebody say, a striker say that they had that fear or if you like, when they played United that they thought unless they put it in the top corner, in the bottom corner, they had no, no chance of scoring because De Gea was that good. He was a, a colossus in goal. They were almost, I'm not going to score today, before mm. they took on the pitch. I think that might be starting to play a part in a lot of strikers now. Obviously, as you spoke on the, the preview pod, Dini's got a bit of a love in for Van Dijk and fears playing him and even commented that he smells nice. Yeah, And I think with our defensive record this year in general, five goals in 13 games in the league or, or 12 before we paid you. I think strikers are now starting to snatch or rush any sort of mini opportunity that they get because they know they're just going to be so few and far between against mm. the defence that we've built up now. And I think even Lovren, had a, he had an alright game on the weekend. He was certainly not the, the Lovren of a few years ago. That was a calamity and an accident waiting to happen. I think even his performances have certainly got better with Van Dijk's arrival. I still don't think he's the answer and would still rather Gomez play week in, week out. But I think you're right, Van Dijk has just had this massive, massive impact since he's joined. And I don't just think it's on us. I think it now is on on opposition strikers. And again, without meaning to be derogatory, I think the lesser teams, I think your, your top, top draw players, your your Aguero's, your Canes and stuff like that are that confident and that self-assured that maybe it wouldn't bother them but our record against the lesser teams last year was poor and that, that's what cost us. We, Swansea beat us, we lost to a few teams down the bottom and didn't even Stoke got a point at Anfield and West Brom we struggled against but I think now the strikers just know they're not going to get 
a chance. It's almost like they've given up before they've even started. I think that's majorly down to Van Dyke, but I think Alisson now as well as the two of them together have just had this impact on the rest of the league as well as on Liverpool. That's 100% right with Alisson as well. Obviously, since we've been promoted, you know when you're playing Liverpool, you're playing a top team, but you've always been able to sense this weakness and you think even if we're outplayed for 60, 70 minutes of this match, we're going to have a strong spell where they wobble a bit or they crumble. I think in that 3-0 game, um, we scored inside two or three minutes from from a uh, Adam Bogdan mistake. Um, oh, last God. season it was Lovren and Play, Matip. At please don't say that left. name on a podcast. Sorry, it brings back such pain um, for memories. Last, last season, uh, Minule did similar uh, for that equaliser and injury time, and I really sensed on Saturday that I, I was half expecting Watford at some point to have a really strong fifteen twenty minutes because that's what we've been doing in virtually every game this season even against Tottenham, against Man United, against Arsenal. And it never came. And I think there's like a real strength um, through the, you know, the centre of that defence and in goal now where you, if, you, if you wanted to centre weakness or you know, if you were going to have a strong few minutes where they wobble, that, that just isn't going to happen anymore. That's all you're nice to hear from an opposing fan. <laughs> Isn't it just? Yeah, I think Man City are probably the only other team that can say that as well. We we actually play them next week, so it'll be interesting to compare. But um, yeah, every I, other team. I hope you better. You can, yeah, yeah, I think they probably will better us. But um, yeah, no, I thought, well, I think Van Dyke is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the amount of love that Liverpool fans have for Van Dijk, it, it's just unheard of, especially since, like, we haven't been able to defend for the best part of a decade. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to hear that. But um, probably one of the biggest po- points of the second half, from a Watford point of view, was the penalty incident. Um, Andy Robertson, much love left back, uh, it's probably one of his more sloppy moments in a Liverpool shirt, which speaks volumes mm. of how well Robbo's done. But um, from your point of view, Adam, uh, do you think it was a penalty? Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think Hughes probably didn't help his cause because it was slightly sort of unnatural fall. Um, but that said, he probably it probably wasn't enough of a contact to even fall at all. But you've got to you've got to fall to try and win the penalty. Um, yeah, my instinct live was it was quite a clear cut incident. You know, often a tackle will come in and the ref got to work out. Um, who touched the ball or who got the last touch or did the defender get a piece of the ball whereas in this case it was very clear Hughes had beaten him, beaten Robertson to the ball and it was going the other way and so obviously the ref then had to just decide is there enough contact for that to be a foul or not rather than was that a fair challenge um, and obviously yeah, decided to decided that there probably wasn't enough, enough contact. I saw Robertson said uh, he didn't think it was a penalty and I don't know if that's a view echoed by sort of lots of Liverpool fans but <laughs> Obviously, I see a lot of what Watford do. And I think, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised live it wasn't given. But, you know, that's, that's one of those things. Go on then, Mark. Give us your, give us your point of view on why it's not a penalty. <laughs> see, I think mine and many other Liverpool fans' judgment is a bit clouded on penalties, seeing as Tottenham have still had more Premier League penalties at Anfield than us in 2018. I think if that's... Messina on Salah or Shakiri, it's not going to be given. But I think I've just come to accept now that we just don't get penalties in the Premier League. I was expecting it to be given. It wouldn't have surprised me if it was given. And I don't think you could have had an awful lot of arguments if it was given. But again, I think, as Adam said, I think the way he went down, he gave a referee then a get out, if you like. And, and that's why it wasn't given. It's the referee in the Premier League. League just isn't isn't good enough. It isn't up to scratch. There's mistakes week after week. John Mosley. Yeah. Mo or Shakiri Mane have been fouled in my eyes worse than that in the box and we've not had them given. So if that's the logic then I would say no. It's not given, but again, being brutally honest, if that was us attacking and what for defending, I would want and hope a penalty would be given for a challenge like that, but the referee is just so inconsistent, isn't it? One week that's given and Robertson's probably sent off by some referees and others, it's just waved away. It's, there's just a shocking amount of inconsistency with decisions. But as I say, I know my, my judgment is slightly clouded because we just don't get penalties from the Premier League champions. They even get plenty, but in the Premier League, they're just so inconsistent. There's also one of those 
sorry, one of those incidents where, as I said, the referee can't have decided that that was a fair tackle because obviously Robertson didn't get the ball. So he'd made the judgment that there, there was no touch or not enough of a touch. So then you kind of say, why didn't he blow up and book him for diving? And the fact that he didn't probably suggests that he wasn't really that sure. And so he sort of went for a, a bit of a middle ground. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Well, you, you, were you in the crowd? Was it that end that you're in the crowd at? Did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my so end, you, yeah. you probably had a better view than a referee. Do you think? Um, you probably well, you probably had a better view than both me and Mark because we're limited by TV cameras as well. Do you, do you think it was yeah. more clear than what's been perceived in the t- on, in in the media and stuff? Then I thought, as I say, live, my instinct was that could well be given. Um, I think the ref was quite a long way from the play because the ball it was basically from a clearance or a long pass down the right, and then um, I think it was Kiko that was battling with Robertson, and then Hughes nipped in. But the rest of the play hadn't the rest of the players in the ref hadn't actually caught up with the play. So mm. I, think it was, I think he was quite a long way off it. Um, yeah, the replays, obviously, that you get different angles and then you start working out whether which angle shows him diving theatrically and which one doesn't and which which angle looks like he's just kicked him in the shin and which doesn't. But my yeah, my instinct live was that because there was no debate as to whether he Robertson had taken the ball or not, that, that, yeah, absolutely could have been given because he just dangles a leg out and it was quite a sort of careless piece of defending room. Yeah. See, this is another one why it infuriates me because I think I was on the post-match show after the home game against Red Star in the Champions League. And again, the, the one on Mane, it was like, well, to me, that was I was at that game and that was 100% and a penalty. And again, you think if that Robertson tackle was 10 yards outside the box, he's going to give a free kick there. And as yeah. you said, the way, the way Hughes went down, if he didn't think there was contact there, he's got to book Hughes for diving there, the way he went down. So... It's and it was still a contact sport, but it was just such a strange decision that he gave nothing. He didn't book Hughes for diving. He didn't give the foul. But again, to me, that goes down as if I was outside the box, ten yards, twenty yards on the halfway line, he's blown for a free kick. Nine yeah. times, ninety-nine times out of hundred. So it's it's just again the inconsistency, isn't it? That infuriates you. If it's a foul, it's a foul. If he doesn't think there's a tackle. Hughes has gone down like almost like he's been shot booking for diving. That's the thing. I do agree that the ball was theatrical, but I wonder what what the referee thought had happened because he didn't really give anything and there did seem to be a definitive decision to be made either way. So I'm not sure what, what he he thought really. My answer to that is still John Moss. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I've got to put it because, I mean, well... Don't want to talk about Tottenham anymore, but that Tottenham game from last last season with can you check TV and all that jazz? Good God, I'm still sour about that. But uh, we'll we'll move on from uh, from the penalty incident, and um, yeah, I mean, Mark, I'll start with you. We get our first goal, Sadio Mane with a nice cross, uh, and Salah with a, with a decent finish. I mean, we mentioned earlier on that possibly Foster could have done well if it took if it took a deflection or not. I'm not sure. But uh, what what did you make of our first goal? Again, I think if that's a goal we've conceded, I think you'd be disappointed with Alisson for not keeping that out. I haven't really, or can't really remember if there was a deflection or not. I'll take Adam's word for it that there possibly was. I when think it that... did just take Nick, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that count. But again, you, you would be disappointed that a shot like that, the way it sort of went under his body. But yeah, again, let's give some credit to Mo. The, the pace on the ball, perhaps, that the little deflection did deceive Foster and just delighted to get 1-0 up. And again, the way the game had gone out with how little chances Watford had created, I think I was pretty confident then that we would go on and get the three points. Yeah, Adam, the, the goal from your point of view, and just to kind of build on on that point, Mark, uh, the point Mark made there, I think you mentioned it as well, that your game plan was to get 1-0 up first. But do you think when it went to 1-0, that it was not game over, but it was always going to be a struggle to get back in? I think it was, yeah, mainly because of what I said earlier about um, the spine of that defence now being so strong. As I say, I think we're a team that if there is a weakness to be exploited, we will do it. And I kind of hoped that, as we have done in lots of other games, we'd have a 15-minute spell where we put you under pressure, even at 1-0 down. So you kind of hope that will come along, but I think Liverpool sort of defended too well for that for that to ever happen. And yeah, the, it, it did feel like the way the game was going, we actually were fairly comfortable at 0-0 but weren't really creating much at all. 
And the minute that Liverpool took the lead and didn't need to to uh, you know press so much for goal anymore, it it felt like an uphill battle. Um, which I guess is why the that Pereira chance and the penalty incident are really massive match changing moments because. I think we're we were defending well and probably would have backed ourselves to maybe take at least a point if we're taking the lead. But yeah, going one 0 down was it sort of takes the spirit out of the ground and the spirit out of the team. And then when you sense that actually it's going to be a struggle to create many chances against this defence, it uh, it sort of it not only makes not only is that why it's hard to create chances, but the players seem to know that. And I think the atmosphere went out of the ground a little bit at one 0 and certainly two 0 absolutely killed it. Hmm. Hmm. Um, before we come to the second goal, there's a couple more subs. Uh, we we bring on Milner for Shakiri, uh, and you guys bring on Gray for uh, Will Hughes. I mean, uh, Mark, do you think that's always natural that we end up just trying to shore up the midfield when we took the lead? Yeah, again, I think that was evident when the way the game was going. I think Klopp had, I think we've sort of been a tactic of ours this year, in my opinion, to. That's how we sort of rest in players. That once we get the goal, there's the confidence in the back line now that that's going to be enough, and to sort of not exert any energy that's unnecessary to exert, and to take your foot off the gas. I would personally have rather Kate to come on, and I think Kate needs minutes in his legs. I was in a way pleased that Shakiri comes off. We've got two big games coming up with Paris Saint-Germain away, and then Everton. Shaq's played quite a lot of minutes the last few weeks, so I had no qualms with him coming off. As I say, my choice would have been Keita. Well, looking John, I don't think he did an awful lot, but we do go on and get two more goals, and you can't really complain or criticise. I think that's one criticism that is level the clock, is his use of substitutes, how late he sometimes leaves it to make substitutes. But you would have to say that much as Muller didn't do an awful lot, we did come on and score two more goals, so it worked, and... Shaq got a bit of a rest and hopefully he does start the next two games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Gray coming on for for Watford, Adam. Do you think that was just always going to be the case when you if you went a goal down that just pack pack the forward line? Yeah, I guess it was sort of the obvious move because success can play wide and just got a striker on the bench and Med will throw him on. I'm slightly frustrated, sort of generally because Will Hughes always seems to be. The guy who's taken off in that situation because you can't take off Pereira, you don't want to take off a striker. And I think Hughes actually knits the play together really well and had a few nice moments yesterday. And maybe having him out there, um, we would likely to create chances with him on the field, I felt, rather than much mm-hmm. more direct approach to two big strikers and success wide. Um, there's no one sort of knitting the play quite as well as Hughes does. But yeah, I think, I think, was that, a, that was at 1 0. Um, I guess after 70 minutes, we hadn't done too much going forward. So, uh, yeah, we may as well use the attacking players off the bench that we have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, um, the co- the potential comeback obviously takes another hit with the second goal. Uh, mm. I can't remember who did. I can't remember. Was it Firmino who got fouled? I can't remember the Watford. Yeah, player it was Bobby, fouled, Bobby it? breaking forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll start with I'll start with you, Adam, because I'm sure Mark wants to talk about Trent for a good half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Adam, is that just? I know you mentioned Ben Foster, kind of just watching it go in and stuff like that. But is that not a cheap goal to give away, but a disappointing one because there's only so much you can do with free kicks, isn't there? Yeah, I think the foul was, if I remember rightly, he would sort of got away from the uh, midfield if he if that foul hadn't been committed. So maybe it was one of those sort of necessary fouls, but. Um, yeah, I was actually right behind it and saw it going in the whole way the moment that Foster didn't move. It's not so much that I thought Foster could have saved it as it would just be sort of nice to know mm. you, you, you give yourself a chance by going for it, I guess. But he was probably had taken that step um, over to the other side that keepers do quite a lot. And um, yeah, it was a, obviously a fantastic striker. He's, he did that before in the Champions League last season. Oh, wow, um, yeah. So he's obviously, <laughs> he's obviously uh, trusted over those free kicks. And yeah, not... Not too much you can you can do about it, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so Mark, I'm going to pencil in like a good ten minutes for you to to wax <laughs> lyrical here. Uh, what what do you make of Trent and just that that moment and so on? Oh, it was a sublime free kick, absolutely top draw. I can sort of understand from Adam's point of view the Foster didn't move for it, but I think even if he did have moved for it, he wouldn't have got near it. It was yeah. 
it was top draw. And again, I think he, his form has been a little inconsistent this year for Trent again from from that high barrier he set himself towards the end of last season. But what a year he's had from fully establishing himself as first choice right back to playing in the Champions League final, going to the World Cup with England, which as a proud Welshman I don't particularly care about, but <laughs> again then scoring for England as well. And then, as Adam said, he, he had a free kick against Hoffenheim in the Champions League last year. He's obviously got the confidence in himself and the players have the confidence in him to do it as well. There was a number of other players that probably would have fancied that free kick. I know he said in his interview that Hendo would said he wanted it. Shakiri was Shakiri had just gone off, hadn't he? But Mo yeah. probably would have fanned it as well. And even Virgil after scoring for Holland, he's certainly got a good foot on input and fancied it. But to have the confidence to step up and put it in the top corner like he did, it's it's fantastic. For a twenty year old kid to have that technical ability, as you say, he's came through the ranks as a midfielder, he's forced his way into the team. At right back and made the position his own now when it's just the better for us isn't it it was a fantastic goal and hopefully he can chip in with a few more this year yeah yeah absolutely I mean that, that, I think that's what we want from Trent and that's the expectations we have of Trent because he just he, he, well I think the talent's all for for everyone to see there he's just uh, brilliant but uh, what the end of this pod's probably going to be a bit LFC heavy, but we'll we'll try and get through it because I don't want to be stuck on the whole Henderson thing. But Mark, um, he just lost his head, hasn't he, with the sending off? Yes, completely. Especially after was it thirty seconds, a minute beforehand, he got his final warning for a silly, cynical foul, and then to do that, it was just he was going nowhere. It was in the middle of the pitch. There was no rhyme or reason to do it it's almost I don't know I think because the midfield two if you like they're the only sort of two places up for grabs if you like and then possibly one in defence whether he goes Trent at right back or Gomez at right back and Lovren centre back there's the only sort of positions that are up for grabbing grabs in our team and because he'd got the start and he'd been injured and hadn't played and we were doing well it was he was just too fired up almost and Again, he just, as we said on the face-off last week, he just seems to want to be involved in everything that happens all the time. And there's there's no need to be. There was no need to make that. It's, and again, it's, he's going to miss next weekend, which I wouldn't have started him anyway. But it just it weakens the squad with not having him there for such a silly, cynical foul that he had no reason to make, whether he was frustrated with himself because... Even before that, it hadn't been a good performance. He had done an awful lot. And he could just see, I think Fabino had already started to warm up, hadn't he? So he could see his mm-hmm. his time was coming to an end and was just, I don't know, trying to leave his mark on the game. Well, he left his mark on the game, but in completely the wrong fashion. And it just hasn't really happened for him this season since the World Cup. I'm not a big fan of his anyway, but I like to think I'm still pretty open-minded and not critical for the sake of being critical, but he hadn't had a good game and he hasn't really had a good game this season. He's been quite poor a few times and at the moment we just seem to be a better team and the midfield functions better without him. I'm not saying to sell him by any means. I think he's still a, a worthy member of the squad and to come on to 3-0 up and comfortable, I think he can have an impact but at the moment I don't think he warrants his place starting and and hopefully we, we go on a run now and win a few without him and he can't get back in and that, that benefits Liverpool because they're winning games and I think we are a stronger team without him at the moment Yeah I'd, I'd agree with that unfortunately for Henderson um, but yeah as, as you said it wasn't the best uh, for him Um Yesterday, uh, so yeah, I think I think you've covered that quite well. He, he certainly just seemed over eager um, to to try and impress, and even him. So he, he, as soon as he, as soon as he made the foul, I think he, he realised he did something really stupid because he just walked off straight away, doesn't he? But um, yes. yeah, um, Adam, we'll finish we'll finish up on this point. I mean, the last goal was that just was that just a team that was two 0 down pushing pushing for something and just caught on the counter. 
Yeah, I think it looked like quite a tired team as well that have maybe lost its spirit a bit, as I was saying earlier. Um, I think Robertson skipped past the tackle around the halfway line, which mm-hmm. I think it was from Kapoo, which he he wouldn't have usually made. Um, it was a sort of tired lunge, really. Um, and then I think it was probably summed up by the fact that uh, Firmino was played on side by a defender who was on the floor by, by the byline, um, completely out of play. So, yeah, I think I think uh, jaded minds by then. Obviously, impressive uh, energy levels from Robertson, I thought, sort of still want to make that burst forward at that time. Um, and then, yeah, probably slightly fortuitous the way it fell to Firmino and went in because I think Kiko was on the floor, injured on the byline. Um, but yeah, I think they were just trying to give it one last go and probably, I don't know if you agree, but I thought 3-0 was probably slightly flattering on Liverpool. Um, so a bit of a shame to concede that last goal, mm-hmm. but just as a result of um, tiredness, I think, really. Yeah, I'd agree it flattered, uh, flattered us, to be honest. I, I don't think we were that well. Uh, a moment of magic and quite a nice move for the first goal. And as you said, the third goal, it was just kind of an outlier, if anything. But Mark, um, third goal, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you, you, between the two of you, you've pretty much summed up everything I was going to say about it. Fantastic energy levels and determination from Robertson that late in the game. And when you're already 2 0 up and have, have won the game, to have that determination and desire to, to break forward at that pace is, is remarkable. And again, 8 million odd quid from health, it's, it's fantastic. I, I don't think there's many better left backs in the league than him. At the moment, again, fortuitous the way it broke to Bobby, but you make your own luck, I guess. And again, as you both said, I think 3-0 was, was a bit flattering, a bit harsh on Watford. I think 2-0 probably would have been a fairer reflection of, on the game. But as I spoke earlier briefly, hopefully that goal will give Bobby a bit more confidence coming up to the next two vital games in our season. Yep, yep, absolutely. But we'll finish up there unless... Um, Eddie, you both want to add anything? No, I think think we're coming off. Okay, we'll come to plugs. And Mark, we'll start with you. Anything you want to plug? Uh, Only the face-off that me, you, Jay and Tom did earlier on in the week. Just a sort of evaluation of a few few players. There's a few we disagreed on there, so that's well worth a listen. And the usual, just subscribe to AI Pro, the content that's on there. Gets better and better. It's fantastic. Well worth your subscription every month. Yeah, I'd highly recommend that face-off as well. I thought we did a really good job and it was very interesting to listen to you all argue. And Adam, anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, obviously I work for Betway, for the Betway Insider. We do various sort of football tips and other sports uh, tips and features and stuff, so have a look at that. Or um, my Twitter is at Adam underscore Drury1, so anything I feel like is worth reading, I'll probably tweet out there. Good stuff there. Do follow both of these lads, the good follows. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for this? Podcast Network.